Coming up on TMS, I like that peanutty smell coming out your mouth hole. Well, spackle my nuts and call me a candy bar. Mmm, nougat. Once again, my analogies are bad. Nougat or not challenge. If you need to feel good, go toot my wife's horn. That's what the P-bomb is for. Einstein's theory of relative humidity. The less you know, the more you think you know, you know with Bobby Frankenberger. (laughs) (laughs) Shamalama ding-dong twists. Not the actual Three Musketeers. It only bends in the heat. My hard hunk has nuts. Play Owl City for old people. Therapy Thursday and more on this episode of The Morning Stream. The geek has no natural instincts. It wouldn't know that it's causing danger, doing harm. Nothing can go wrong with the geek! I swear by my pretty floral bonnet, I will end you! This is The Morning Stream. Good morning, all and one, one and all. That's the phrase. Uh, mm. Welcome, to, welcome to TMS. It's the morning stream for June twenty second, twenty twenty one. I'm Scott Johnson. That's Brian Ibbett. Are you trying to uh, sing that uh, song from Robin Hood with uh, Brian Adams and Sting? I did only did one it for and you. all, oh. and all for one. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that even existing. Yeah. Who was the third? It was a third guy in there: Brian Adams, Sting, and oh, Adams. Sting and yeah, who's uh, the third? Oh, uh, Rod Stewart. <laughs> Rod, Rod Stewart. Stewart. It was Rod Stewart. <laughs> what was going on there? <laughs> such a weird. Oh, I forgot. Such a weird pairing. Completely pairing, forgot weird, that was even a thing. Completely yeah. blocked that out of my head. Wow. All right. Yeah. Was that part of Robin Hood? Yes. Yeah. Was it? It was okay. the Robin Hood. Uh, the the Costner Robin Hood, wasn't it? Well, I mean, Brian Adams had his. Other song for that movie. The, Anything I do, I do it for oh, you. Three Musketeers. It'd be Three Musketeers, not Robin Hood, because it was all for one, one for all. Oh, which is oh, the, oh. All right, that makes sense. That's yeah, the Gerard not, not Robin Hood, Three Musketeers. I think Gerard? I said Three Musketeers first, and then I switched it. I think I said Robin Hood accidentally. But well, you just want candy bars. I understand. I uh, do. Who? Uh, uh, By the uh, way, do you know why the, why it's called Three Musketeers? Why uh, the candy bar is called Three Musketeers? I have no idea. This is this is very interesting uh, trivia for you. So, all right, you cut a uh, you cut a Three Musketeers bar lengthwise, yeah. and it's just chocolate all the way through. Yeah. When it originally came out, it was like a Neapolitan. There was a strawberry chunk, there was a vanilla chunk, and there was a chocolate chunk down the of that down whipped, the length of that of whipped it? nougat. Yeah, so like okay. you'd be eating it, be like, oh, I'm in the strawberry. Oh, now I'm in the vanilla. Oh, now I'm in the in the chocolate. Yeah. And they were the three musketeers, the three flavors in the in the three musketeers. Oh, bar. so well now that it's just like gray nougat in there, it could just be one one musketeer, and it's it's not. Uh, I don't think that's nougat. Nougat is a different thing. That is just whipped chocolate. I thought that was nougat. Now people people don't know what the hell nougat is. Nougat is <laughs> yeah <laughs> is an unidentifiable. Uh, uh, <laughs> Hold on, let's see. Unidentifiable uh, product. Yeah, if you look at nougat, uh, Zagnut is probably the best example of what nougat is. You take that, you cover it with chocolate, and that's a Zagnut bar. Okay. I think that's Zagnut or Zero. Which one? It's one of the Z. Well, oh, Zagnut. I think it is Zagnut. I think that's right. Isn't it? Or is that the brand? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm actually not sure. But anyway, it says here, okay. 
Boy, this is going to really change my whole life because I've thought uh-huh. New York, for this uh-huh. all this time I thought New you York. thought right you thought that uh, that weird substance in the middle of a uh, Three Musketeers bar was nougat and you're not alone. A lot of people think that 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 is nougat. Don't they advertise it and say no chocolate covered nougat? Oh, what was the? Do you remember the ads? It was like uh, they actually had the Three Musketeers. Well, guys dressed up as not the actual Three Musketeers, but <laughs> guys dressed up as the Three Musketeers. And what would they do? Would they like slice the bar with their swords or something? Um, the the- yeah, there was some, and they would go, "Ooh, uh, c- chocolate covered." You got sword metal in my chocolate bar. <laughs> you got chocolate on my sword metal wow and you're right i am definitely not the only one there is a lot yeah of, yeah uh, no it's uh, people think that that any substance in a candy bar they can't explain seems to be nougat it's like how every song parody on napster was weird al yankovic even oh, though it wasn't yeah wow <laughs> every, every unexplainable candy bar is nougat <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I don't even know how, how to feel about this. That's a new that's yeah. that's news to me. That that I mean, not that this comes up in everyday conversation, but the next time a Three Musketeers makes an appearance in my life, sure, uh, I don't know how I'm going to feel. I'm going to feel weird. All right, well, let's let's do little play a little game here. All right, uh, I'll name a candy bar. Go. You tell me what it takes to produce that candy bar. Like, what is what is in that candy bar? Let's oh, start with an easy one. Okay, I like this. Let's go uh, original Twix. All right, original Twix. Uh, cookie uh, uh, cookie uh, sticks there in the in the middle there. Uh-huh, right, yep. I'm sure that's what they call them is cookie sticks. Cookie sticks. I think it was cookie, you know, it was, it was basically, cookie, yeah. Cookie. cookie crunch, whatever. Um, uh, okay, uh, 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 caramel. Oh, it poured uh-huh. on that, right? Uh, and then some kind of chocolate on top of that. Yeah. Yeah, pretty okay. much, pretty easy, right? Basically, right. it was uh, cookie and then caramel and then uh, chocolate over the whole thing. Yeah, the peanut butter variety did the same thing; just replaced the caramel with chocolate. Right, easy. it's the candy right. with the cookie crunch, as they used to say. Sure, sure. Let's yeah. uh, do another easy one for you. How about uh, uh, let's see? That kind of is an obvious one. If I were to say, um, uh, let's go. Mr. Goodbar. Tell oh. me what's in a Mr. Goodbar. Oh, when's the last time I had a Mr. Goodbar? <laughs> um, I think there are almonds in there. There's some nuts. It is not. It is uh, just, it is peanuts. Peanuts. It's just basically, it's a, uh, um, it's a chocolate bar with peanuts in it. And peanuts all kind of jammed inside, right? They're all, yep. okay, exactly. kind of random in there. All, all right. right, that's fine. All right, now yeah. let's get a little tougher here. Mm-hmm. Whatchamacallit. Oh, I used to love those. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think that had chocolate on the outside. It did, yes. Peanut butter flavor or some sort of peanut butter equivalent inside. Uh, the okay. crunchy bit was like almost like a honeycomb style thing. Shit, I don't know what was like in a, those. Like a, like a Butterfinger? Is that what you're thinking of? The, no, that kind of honeycomb thing? No, not like that. It was more like... um. A loose wire cage of, of something. <laughs> See, I would have said rice, uh, but oh. I'm looking at the thing here. Yeah. Uh, like crispy rice. Uh, whatchamacallit, from 1978 to 1987, whatchamacallit consisted of a bar of peanut-flavored crisp that utilized peanut butter as the flavoring agent yeah. coated in a thin layer of chocolate. So basically, it was... Crisp. Um, crisp. Yeah, just like peanut-flavored crisp, which kind of is... Similar to what you get in a Butterfinger. Yeah, a little bit. It's more dense in a Butterfinger, but yeah. 
more like dense. The, it's not as right. Yeah. Um, but they added in 1987. They added caramel. And then had uh, oh, um, see, I remember this was a big candy bar when when we were in our teens. it was yeah. yes like high school we were, you'd always we'd go to Seven Eleven and get a get a whatchamacallit all the time yeah I keep remembering if, and again might be Mandela but I keep remembering the commercial was something like what's that what's that thing you're eating oh it's a whatchamacallit oh well don't tell me what it is then you yeah, jerk yeah they did the whole who's on first thing with those commercials it's it the whole honey bunches of oats yeah thing, right? I hate that. Yeah. All right, Brian, I'm going to test you. Uh, all right. What's in... <laughs> what's scoop in a of chocolate scoop of vanilla. Don't waste my time. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what's in a... Uh, uh, let's call it a Snickers. What's in there? Oh, okay. Snickers. That is uh, peanuts, caramel, and chocolate over the outside. And there's nothing else? Do they claim nougat? Ooh, do they claim nougat They in might claim bar? nougat. They might claim nougat. Um, who claims nougat? I don't think they. <laughs> who claims the nougat? <laughs> I think it. I don't think there's nougat in a uh, in a Snickers bar. I could be wrong, but I don't think there is. Uh, chat says Snickers has oh, nougat. People but, are saying. But people again, are saying nougat. Yeah, but again, like I feel like the all these nougat claims are now in question. <laughs> right? Exactly. Unfounded nougat claims. I don't know if now I I'm believe looking, them. I'm looking at the uh, cross section. I think there is. Yeah, I think it's a layer of nougat, and then it's caramel with peanuts, and then chocolate over the whole thing. And so, if I was to look at some raw nougat, would it be like a gooey, you know, almost like caramel but thinner, maybe kind of? Is that what nougat I think is? It's it's more crunchy. Okay. Um, is it a bonding yeah. agent? Is <laughs> what keeps it all together? It's a bonding agent. Yes, exactly. All yeah, right. nougat, peanuts, caramel with chocolate. Okay, tell me what's in a Mars bar. Um, Mars bar. Chocolate. <laughs> chocolate uh it's been so long i've had one of those i know so long. yeah chocolate that has almonds in it no what do you tell me what your guess is <sighs> what you guess <laughs> i mean milky way's got none of that that's maybe my favorite by the way i love a milky way mm. yeah uh milky is, way is isn't that isn't a milky way uh like a three musketeers bar with caramel and nuts there's no nuts Zero nuts. Oh, there's um, no nuts in a Milky Way. Yeah, and okay. it's got some kind of fluffy business in the middle, but it's darker and, yeah. and denser than than what I thought was nougat. fluffy business. <laughs> yeah, whatever that is now that I thought was nougat all these years. <laughs> um, I don't know if it has nuts at all. Maybe it's like um, Mars bars always reminded me of like a lower rent Snickers to me. So I'll say yeah, everything the Snickers had but nuts. All right, uh, you you know you're you're actually really close. Oh. Um, Nougat toasted almonds covered in milk chocolate, so no caramel. Okay. A later caramel was added to it, so basically it's it's a, a Mars is a Snickers with almonds instead of peanuts. Which oh, it is, does have almonds. You were asking about you were asking about almonds or or talking about almonds early on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, almonds. That's where the almonds. Uh, so I always forget that it's not almond joy. Almond joy is not the only thing that had almonds in it. And I always right. think sometimes it's hard to remember that because it's in the damn name. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And Mars bars, I don't even think you can get those anymore here, right? Or can you? Is that an, I think it's a, I know they're huge in that Europe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I haven't been in the candy market in a while. I used to like, you know what I used to like as a big hunk? Oh, man. Oh, really? Now that is, isn't that just chocolate covered nougat? I think that's just sugar. Or chocolate covered caramel. Sugar covered sugar with more sugar on top of it. Like, it's um, By the way, while we're looking, while I'm looking this up, uh, JC Calhoun found the, um, uh, found the JC or the found the JC found the whatchamacallit commercial. Oh no way! Let's hear it. Yeah, uh, let me find it here. 
Uh, not the Pops and Recline. There it is. J.C. Calhoun. Nowhere is it. I can't find it. There it is. Okay. Oh, I'll give you a Okay. Yeah, I found it. Okay. Here we go. Let's play this. Let's get a little bit of this in our life. Hold on. The volume's down. Here we go. Oh, yeah, that sounds crispy. Mm, I love that peanutty smell. What you eating, Luke? What, McCollett? Hold on. I love yeah, that peanutty already I smell. <laughs> no, and you've never been next to anybody who's eating a candy bar and you went, mmm, I like that peanutty smell coming out of your mouth. <laughs> and they're and they're like on their shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Like they are they're not even far like There's not even room for that dog. That dog can barely squeeze between them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Plus, Brian loves hillbillies. So let's hear the rest yeah, of this. What do you call it? What you call it? I mean, what's its name? I told you the name. It not. It too. You said what you call it. That's right. What you call it from Hershey, the thick, crunchy bar of peanutty tasting crisp, drenched in chocolate. What you call it? You can ask for it by name. Give me that. Give me what? Oh. <laughs> oh, oh my so God, much, dude. This might have been. This might have been. We might be witnessing the genesis of my hatred for hillbilly humor. <laughs> my hatred for yokel humor that might be the earliest example like if we cut down like we slice that tree yeah that is the center <laughs> ring of the tree well, what's of, worse uh, what's the worst part about that is all you need to do no. is just aim that candy bar at him and say look it says it on the side then yeah, you're, 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 you're the whole conundrum done. Shit. yeah so <laughs> dumb and I remember that commercial now. It's pretty back too. Up. I totally do. No, what's its name? I told you the I name. Told you his name. Cletus, <laughs> it's a whatchamacallit bar. <laughs> that dog had more brains than the two of those dudes. It's a combined. Right. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess Hee-Haw and Beverly Hillbillies were uh uh were before that. Yeah, but was that your that, was that, that your that proto? Commercial. You know, where did you get the hatred from though? Where Although did... I like the Beverly Hillbillies TV show. I don't know why I liked it. Yeah, well, I couldn't was, stand Hee Haw though. Hee Haw no, was hee-haw for was, somebody else. Hee Haw's the center ring. By the way, all right. So Big Hunk, not even chocolate on this thing. Like Big Hunk is is nougat with a bunch of peanuts jammed in it. Yeah, and it's hard nougat, and it only bends in heat, or if you bend it a whole bunch with your hands, <laughs> it's like, right. and it breaks real easy if you don't. And it's also the worst tooth. It's so bad for oh, your teeth. Oh, it's an extractor. Yeah, it is totally big is an time. It's spackle with yeah. nuts in it. It's really bad. Yeah. But I used to love. Yeah. Them. I used to love those things. Oh my gosh! There you go. Well, there's your nougat, Scott. You're you're a nougat fan, and you didn't even know. I it. had no idea. I mean, that just feels like I don't know what to think now, though. So what nougat do I call? Is basically, sugar and honey with uh, whipped egg whites, basically. So what do I call the stuff in his Three Musketeers? I need a name. Uh, it's whipped chocolate, isn't it? It's whipped or is that chocolate. All it is? Uh, um, what's it called? Musketeers bar. Um. Well, let's actually do that. Um, what do you call that? Chocolate-covered fluffy whipped mousse. Whipped mousse. Whipped mousse. All right. Hey, Rocky, hey, knock it off. Hey. That hurts. Knock it off. Oh, yeah? Here's something you'll really like. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Pull that out of there. <laughs> I used to love that show so much. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we've Let's done. Let's use the whole fist. <laughs> we've done all we can do. Hey, did you try that Pokemon uh, Moba thing? I did Pokemoba. Yeah. I, I did uh, Pokemon Unite. Yeah, how is it? I didn't get a chance. It's, it's, it's on my Switch, but yeah. I'm not. I'm not a big Moba fan. I've tried League of Legends. I've tried uh, Heroes of the Storm. Played Heroes of the Storm. I think with you even mm-hmm. um, yeah, a few a times. times. Yeah. And uh, I kind of like this only because 
I think I like it for the same reason that you like Heroes of the Storm. You know the characters. You know, you know, you know what they're capable of, what their strengths and weaknesses are from the other games that they've been in. Right. And bringing that into a new game, you know, adds something to it. And I think that's where it is for Pokemon for me. It's like, oh, there's, you know, Cyndaquil, and oh, check it out, there's Litleo, and da da da, and yeah. um. Well, those games, I mean, the, the the other comparison I would use from what I've been hearing is that it's also very, um, it breaks away from the kind of Dota model and is more like a team brawler sort of mm. thing where teamwork means more than some dude who's leaning real strong or whatever. And you have mm-hmm. shared experience and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I didn't, I downloaded it, was going to play it last night, got all wound up in this Blizzard crap and I didn't have time to do it. But mm. um, I'm glad to hear you like it because I want to play I'm Yeah, I like it. That. Yeah. I'm looking forward to playing more of it. Um I'm wondering if there's if I can play against AI or if I'm going to have to find 13-year-olds to kick my ass every time I pop the game open. Well, they are out there. They're randoms, and they can be yours yeah. for the low, low I price of three bucks to. a month. Or whatever it is. <laughs> I do have to tell you, I uh, with with some help from uh, listener Ender, hmm. um, I got in and played Marvel Future Revolution, which is the uh, Marvel open world MMO that is going to be coming out at the end of September for mobile. Mobile thing, yeah. yeah. Mobile thing. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, the, it, it basically deals with those incursions that were a big Marvel storyline back in 2013 or something where the, the, uh, the different universes were crashing into each other and one of them would win or they'd overlap or whatever. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I kind of... I'm kind of digging it so far. Yeah, does it uh, always pounding you over the head with stuff you can pay fifty? No, for? so far no, um, which is really surprising. Mm. Um, I started with Spider-Man, yeah. of course, because of course I started with Spider-Man. Yeah, um, and right now I'm playing it on uh, Blue Stacks on my PC. I'm hoping, 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 hoping that um, when it does come to iOS. Uh, and my Canadian alter ego can play it. That I can use a, um, uh, a PlayStation controller with it because oh, yeah, I don't want to use the thumb controls on the screen. Sure, uh, assuming they yeah. put in controller support, which I don't know why they wouldn't. I would, don't know why they wouldn't either. I'm hoping they do, and I imagine I might. I could probably get it working with Blue Stacks, but that's a. Yeah. Um, Burgess Diesel is in our chat room, and he says, "Oh, you played it." Yeah, if you so you don't know if it's got controller support yet, Burgess Diesel. Yeah, I'm hoping be, it does. Hoping they add that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, a lot of new games do. Like I know, you know, Apple Arcade games are required to, but the mm-hmm. the general stuff sometimes, well, quite often these days has controller support, so that's good. Um, real quick, I noticed something in the chat. Where was it? Oh, Omega Nine X was the one I was talking to last night in the. Uh, I was doing a Shipbreaker stream, and he was telling me all about Pokemon. So uh, I need to. I need to. I'll play it today. I'll go kill some thirteen-year-olds. Cool. I don't care. Let's go. Why not? I like. Yeah. He says hey, you can get real fed in that game. Then just smash the face of every kid in the game. Yeah, he just means you. So feeding in a, in a MOBA is like, um, oh, how do you? I don't know how you describe. Just this. like grinding it up, grinding up. Uh, yeah, you can just quickly to... get your crank your XP and. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I'm not having not played that yet. I'm not sure if it's the ex- exact same meaning, but you know, feeding, feeding's gotcha. a thing. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> I know it's quite the quote, Sidian. <laughs> I put that on my gravestone, man. Woo. Um, <laughs> all right, so that's cool. I'm glad uh, you did that. By the yeah. way, uh, I wanna I'm just gonna make a recommendation here. You know, sometimes I hesitate to mention these things because I don't want to sound like I'm trying to 
toot a horn or anything. But you know what? I'll go ahead and toot my wife's horn. If you guys want to feel good, you need a moment of feeling good, there are two ways you can do it. One is you can fire up Owl City and listen to his music all day. That's number one. <laughs> I heard you uh, talking about Fireflies. Does he have another song? Is there another song oh, from Al City besides them. Fireflies? Tons of those. He's got all kinds of music. I mean, that one was so prominent, it's hard to ignore. But are they are they all uh, auto tuned? <laughs> no, no. Like he's got here. Okay, I'll give, good. You, a, I'll give you a good example. Uh, right. Let's see here. He's got uh, this. Well, I can't play it because we'll get in trouble. But you've heard a good time. A good time. You've heard, I'm here. I'll play a tiny bit. Maybe, maybe. I'm in if you're down to get down. I know you've heard it. No, no, really? I heard that. No. that Are you sure common. that's not the uh, the theme to the Pokemon game I just downloaded on the Switch? <laughs> I mean, look, it's happy, happy songs. That's what they do. Uh, so you can do that, or you can go find yeah. some really old people to help. So we have these old people in our in our neighborhood. What if they're just kind of old, not really old? <laughs> well, I mean, let's say, not that you need to pick and choose, but let's aim for the 70s to 80s in that range. That's kind of where you yeah, want to be because yeah. that's where things are, you know, people start to struggle. And uh, there's this really nice lady in our neighborhood and her husband who was just, her husband was just diagnosed with early uh, Parkinson's, or uh, sorry, um, dementia. Alzheimer's? Oh, yeah, Alzheimer's. Okay. Early Alzheimer's with, mm-hmm. I don't know, there was some other caveat, but... Anyway, nicest guy ever, but he's, you know, he's starting down that road. And she's just trying to keep it all together and take care of him and everything. So Kim has made it her goal every other day or so. We walk over there and we bring him. Like yesterday, we had a bunch of new tomatoes and cucumbers in the garden. So we picked those, put them in a basket, took them over to this lady and her husband. Uh, day before or Two days before that, she made a batch of jambalaya, took a pot over to those guys. What I'm saying is it's therapeutic and cathartic. To think about somebody else for a hot minute and do nice things for them. So go find some old people. Just go look around. Just find an old guy. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't work there's that way. One, there's got to be one in the basement here somewhere. <laughs> We've got everything else down yeah, there. Yeah, that's why you got the pee bottle. You got the old guy down there. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Anyway, just a, just a recommendation. Okay? Go out there and do it. You'll feel better. Okay, and then listen to Owl City. I don't care. Do it then, <laughs> or maybe find some old people and play some Owl City for exactly. them. Exactly. Have you ever seen the video for Fireflies? It's really cool. It's a cool video. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have. I did watch the video for Depeche Mode um, Wrong yesterday, which I'd never seen before. Yeah. Holy cow! That thing is like uh, it's it's like it ripped right out of a David Fincher movie. Uh, it's like this. Uh, you gotta watch it after after the show today. It's really good. I'm gonna write it down. Is this a newer song? It's one of their newer songs. Yeah, but okay. n- newer like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I think he New- newer than who, who's the main singer? Um, Martin Gore. Martin Gore looks so or cool. David. He's he's growing old. Martin cool. Gore. Martin Gore is the the blonde, curly hair blonde. Oh, I'm David thinking of the Gahan, other guy. David Gahan. David yeah. Gahan is the uh, brunette. Okay, that's who I'm thinking of. The brunette guy mm-hmm. looks cooler the older he gets. I think that guy's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. A lot. He's like he's like um, uh, girlfriend in a coma. I can't think of his name. <laughs> Morrissey. Morrissey. Morrissey looks better the yeah. older he gets. Morrissey looks better the older he gets too. The, the more you ignore me, the better looking I get. Oh, <laughs> I love that guy. All right, uh, let's move on to some science, shall we? All right. Yes. I think we are in the mood here for some science. Uh, but to do that, we got to bring Bobby Frankenberger in. Yeah, we, gotta, we do. Got to play this thing right here. 
I think science. I'll make you go poo-poo. I agree. Hey, it's uh, Bobby Frankenberger, who probably regrets ever making that sound uh, on the show, uh, who, who is uh, now joining us all the way from South Carolina with his hair and all. Uh, Bobby, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing right. I definitely do not regret making that. That's how I talk. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm a dad of small kids so. yes you are <laughs> i know how you talk um because you pop time to go poo poo you popped up yeah. on my uh, uh my tiktok again this morning out walking telling me about some science it was pretty rad it's pretty cool oh yeah i just did one i just put one out about um basically it's about what r- relative humidity really is and the difference between that and do and dew point what dew point is uh, so. dew point Two point. Two point. And the tease, I guess, is is why southern states are actually at the bottom of lists of average humidity in the United States. Yeah, why southern, is why is that in a nutshell? Why, what's the deal? Because there? of how relative humidity works. It's basically um, relative humidity is telling you how much of all the of all the water vapor that could fit in the air. Yeah. Um, what percentage of it actually is in the air. So like if you have half of the water vapor that could be in the air, then it's 50% humidity. If if no more water vapor will fit in the air, it's 100% humidity. And cold air is capable of holding less water because the molecules are closer together. Yeah. So it can reach 100% humidity. It can reach higher humidity levels quicker. Gotcha. Um, and because warm areas like the southeast where I live, are warm the molecules are farther apart it takes more water vapor to get to higher humidities yeah. so all right well but i want to yeah go ahead brian it still feels wet yeah wetter in southern states and that's what dew point is, is yeah i don't like that at- that feeling is yeah. awful i don't like it you take a shower and you go outside and you feel like none yeah. of that happened like it was all a yeah dream. exactly yeah yeah, yeah. It annoys me i like being in a dry climate well, anyway, um, you're here with a Zelda shirt, and that's awesome. Uh, let's get to the big point here, which has nothing to do with your shirt. I just think your shirt is cool. Uh, you <laughs> it's my <were> gonna... <laughs> favorite franchise. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hey, you were going to talk about the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I have yeah. no idea what this is. Like, I've heard it before. I've heard it in passing. Uh, people talk about the words, but I've never heard somebody say, and that means. And so now today we're going to get that, I guess. They do talk about the words, like they often do talk about words. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Dunning-Kruger... So, to give some context, you actually made a tweet the other day about... It was about some anti-vax person who died of COVID, and you, were, you, were rep- you weren't doing what everybody does and making fun of that person. You were actually expressing how sad that is, because yeah. it is sad. It is. Um, yeah. Maybe more sad. And... Uh, yeah, exactly. And and so and and in some of the replies you expressed this idea, made this comment talking about what you perceive as the death of expertise, um which I've heard before and it made me think of this Dunning-Kruger effect that I wanted to talk about because I think it's it's an important critical thinking lesson that everybody can learn from and it's uh it's very re- relevant to this everyone's an expert social media landscape we're in right now. Yeah. Um so what is the Dunning-Kruger effect? Well, it's, a, it's this observation in psychology where people with, um, with a low ability at a task, at low expertise levels, tend to overestimate their level of expertise or their ability in that given area. So like the less expertise you have, there's, there's more of a gap between what you think you know 
and what you actually know. Is it because you you know what little you know is simple? I don't mean that pejoratively. Mm-hmm. I mean it's simple because you have what you think is an easy an- or a simple answer. So your answer is very black right. and white. And so you say, well, here is my answer. And then that clashes with what is actually true, which is complicated. Because mm-hmm. nothing's deeper. Simple. Right. Exactly. Well, why don't they just do this? Yeah. And- yeah. Right. Right. So the the psychologist Dunning and Kruger, uh, who who defined um, and and sort of described this effect, they they describe it basically the way that in a way that you're sort of describing it now, which is the idea that the less expertise expertise you have in an area, yeah. um, the less likely you are to understand how complicated and nuanced a topic is. Yeah. Um, because you don't know about it. Like a really good way to think about this in my is think about something that you guys that you know a lot about. Like like um, Scott, a, gr- a great example is is art. You know a lot about art and illustration and stuff like that, right? Sure. sure. Um, so think about that and think about how people who don't know anything about the nuanced complexities of art and styles and and ha- techniques and all that kind of stuff how someone who doesn't know those things probably knows doesn't even not only do they not know how complicated art can be to to do and to understand and to and 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 all of those things but they they really might not even know the things that they don't know. Do you do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you're saying. So it's kind of like going, um, oh gosh, it's like, oh, you know what this is like? It's not quite art related, but it sort of is. It's kind of connected. Um, I knew this guy at a company who was, I don't know, he was pretty young. He was probably 20, 21 when he started working in the warehouse of this place I worked. And he had a lot to say about a lot of things. But I remember once being in the back and I had to be back there for a long time. So I was cranking up some electronica of some kind. It was probably... I don't know, freaking Crystal Method or somebody like that. Some band I really liked. Mm. And it was just pounding away back there. And he looks over at me in this very sort of cocky way and goes, you know, I don't know why you like music where just a computer just makes it all. And I said, <laughs> I said, I'm sorry. And he goes, yeah, you know, I mean, this, this isn't really, you don't have to be a musician to make this stuff. This is just, you know, a computer makes it. Right. And that's exactly what you're talking about, I think. He's got this simple answer in his head that because it's electronic music and not a violin or a guitar or a piano in the traditional sense, then it must be a computer making it and there's no talent involved. Like all the spaces get filled Mm -hmm. in. There's no need to be anything other than whatever. And I knew for a fact that what he was saying was 100% not at all true, but he's also 21 and dumb. And what are you going to do? But that feels like one a case like that. And if, and if an actual electronic musician had been there, I mean, that guy would have had to, you know, how do you restrain yourself from not wanting to go off on <laughs> dumb stuff like that? Right. Right. right and that's right. part of is the problem. The Maslow, is it the Maslow thing? Is that, uh, or am I thinking of something different where you're the four stages, the unconscious incompetent, the unconscious competent, the conscious incompetent, then the conscious competent. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a that was simp- that was a quote that was simplified a lot by um what's his name the the former general guy. Oh, you know I just saw this in that documentary. Uh, 
You guys are talking about the the known knowns, the known unknowns, the unknown knowns. Oh, yeah, the Rumsfeld documentary, right. Yeah, Yeah. Rumsfeld was really into that whole thing. And that's, you know what, that's kind of the point of that documentary. It's very good, by the way. 100% recommend it. Errol Morris makes no bad documentaries, and this is one of them. It's really good. Uh, But the, the, the entire takeaway, or at least for me, was at the end of this thing, that his tendency to to do that and and he's a very smart man okay there's no like lack of intelligence coming out of donald rumsfeld he's at his core a very intelligent person but he had this tendency to come up with these idioms and then cram everything into it and in a neatly neatly formed way that was not reflective of the complex truth of it so him saying well there's known unknowns and unknown knowns and like all this kind of thing it may, gave him these unique little these fun little categories to stick stuff into but at right. the end of the day it was a way of justifying uh you know pursuing a, a, a an unjust war during a time where uh they you know they had bad intelligence and couldn't admit it and like there's all you know there's all this, this stuff around it it was a far more complicated thing than just having your neat category of your unknown unknowns and right. it's kind of annoying when people do that. Very a annoying. lot of people assume. So one of the one of the misinterpretations that people have of the Dunning Kruger effect when they hear about it is, and this gets misreported in news headlines sometimes when when n- news places will will talk about Dunning Kruger, is um, is a misinterpretation is that dumb people don't know how dumb they are. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> And that's not what's happening, okay? Because it's important, and this is why I like to talk. Wanted to talk about this, and why I think it's an important lesson is because we, everyone, this applies to everybody. Every one of us are subject to the Dunning Kruger effect because the actual data that um, and graphs from the studies that they did on Dunning the Dunning Kruger effect don't show that dun- dumb people think they're smarter than than smart people that's not it actually and i should i should stop calling them dumb people um <laughs> yeah. uh, so oh, we, know we know who you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the the actual uh what's happening is that people who have a lack of expertise don't actually think that they're better than people who do ex- have ex- expertise um non-experts will accurately tell you that they're not experts. It's just when they try to rank how much knowledge they do have, they overestimate how much knowledge they do mm-hmm. have. And the interesting thing about this effect is that the there's like a very direct correlation with how much knowledge you do have about a, a particular area and how big that gap is. So what I mean by that is the more you learn about something, the more accurately you are able to assess your knowledge of it because you start to understand how nuanced and complicated something Mm is. Right. The really cool thing about this is that it flips at a certain point. Really, like very expert people high in their fields have the opposite happen. They they've um, drastically or maybe not drastically but they do underestimate their expertise mm. because and this happens i've seen this i've heard people talk about this that i know who went to medical school and and stuff well where they'll they'll go through years and years and years of medical school and then they'll start these uh these these um like narrow 
narrow areas of focus where they go and specialize in one particular area and then they see these like five volume tomes that are just like gigantic 5,000 page volumes of of the medical diseases that can happen in your little finger (laughs) and they're like they're like holy cow did i and i don't know any of this how much other stuff do i not know you know right no you open up the thing and there's a flood in there and that's the thing like if you take an example like a an anti-vaxxer nurse uh someone in the chat mentioned this made me think of this an anti-vaxxing nurse who thinks they know more than an epidemiologist um, and they're 100% sure of it. Here's the problem. Here's the knock-on effect. We can say, oh, well, that's the Dunning-Kruger effect and you are having that and, and the expert does not and they've learned and they have that curve and now they know yeah. more than they think they do but you think you know it all. You think you know 100% in your limited view because you're just, you know, you're a nurse who maybe doesn't understand it. But people on the outside, here's the knock-on. They go, well, she's a nurse. Mm-hmm. She must know. And now you've right. got your own little mini Dunning Kruger. You got Dunning and Kruger yeah. in your own yeah. little head on your shoulders going, hey, look at this bullshit going on. And so now you yeah. think you've got it all figured out because you know a nurse who's anti vax. And she right. must be, she must know because she's a nurse. And that's very little information about a thing you don't know about. Like, mm-hmm. a- yeah, that's a whole other. Um, and that's, that's started with a sort of Dunning Kruger like effect and then gets amplified by another um you know logical fallacy which is like this this fallacy of an of expertise right right um, Confirmation but that's why this that. is such that's why the dunning kruger effect is such an important skeptical lesson guacmar in the chat said something that i think makes the point which is or asks a question which i think makes the point which is what does it mean when you want to learn as much as you can about everything to the point of questioning the answers that you're given so um that's there's it's it's important to be skeptical about about the knowledge that you are receiving and you can take that too far of course but you have to you have to question you have to practice being skeptical and and critical about the information that you see in in your given because you can accidentally lull yourself into a false sense of expertise and then um, and then you you lose and you miss all the nuance of of a topic. It's it's why we see this. This has been talked about in skeptical communities for a long time. It's it's why uh, expert opinions can be wrong all the time about different things when they're misapplied outside of their expertise. Pilots who claim to see UFOs, for yeah. example, yeah. Um, just because you're a pilot doesn't mean you can accurately identify a UFO, right? Yeah. Um, Scientists, you just said nurses, for example, right. um, medical experts who who venture outside of their area of expertise. A little bit of knowledge can get you into a lot of trouble, and yeah. that's kind of the lesson. Yeah, you know? it's uh, it's interesting because I was even thinking about this dumb nugget conversation Nibbit and I were having, um, and how if you would have before today, if you would have mm-hmm. put me in front of a room of two hundred people and said, Scott. You need to tell us an example of a candy bar with nougat in it, or we're stripping you naked and throwing you to the wolves. <laughs> I would it's go. A common situation. I've I've been there. I would go. Yeah, three, I'd all. say three musketeers, and I'd be wrong. I was so confident in my simple information that I risked being thrown to actual wolves naked, and I lost. 
Like that's right. that's how willing we are to go with our basic assumptions. Sometimes is we'll, we'll go all in, and it sucks. It's a terrible. Yeah. I, once again, my analogies are bad, but you know what I'm saying. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this but, uh, is, yeah, it's fascinating yeah, it, stuff. It, it, it's it's just important to always question what you know. Again, you can go too far with that, but but just if if your default mode is to always question why you know something, and then then at least you're going to be critical of of it to a point. It's better than not being critical at all and and just just don't get yourself into too much trouble thinking that this, mm-hmm. you know, like simple explainer video that you saw while you're scrolling through Facebook <laughs> makes you like a particle physics expert or something. Right, exactly. You know? Right. And you can get so into your head you can say well, yeah, that was a simple video, and it and it seemed to make sense to me. But so does your Dunning Kruger effect chart. That looks overly. What if that's overly simplified? Like it's so and easy the, for people to get all up in their brain and twist themselves into yeah. pretzels like that. And the funny thing is, the Dunning Kruger effect is uh, the way I've just described it is oversimplified in the psychology community. Um, they debate about what it really means. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, oh, really? Everything, everything is more complicated. It's something that on our podcast. I say all the time, it's more complicated than you think. It's 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 really pretty complicated. It all is. Everything so, is. It's hugely yeah. complicated. Oh my gosh! Look at just the atoms around me right now. Look how complex this is. Holy shit! The world's compli- complicated. <laughs> all right. Uh, tell people more about that show, where they can find it, and learn more about some cool science goodies. It's called All Around Science. We do it every week. We talk about science news and just uh, stuff like this, you know, things that we might find, um, been, things that we've been thinking about that we want to just talk about that are sciencey. And, and yeah, we do it every week. So subscribe where you get podcasts, All Around Science. Nice. Uh, go do that today because that's what we're telling you to do. And when we tell you to do something, <laughs> when we tell when you to do something, we want you to do it. Yeah. yeah. We freaking mean it. Uh, Bobby, have a great week. We'll see you next time. See you, Bobby. All right. Cool. Yeah. That's interesting stuff. Yeah. That Maslow, the thing um, that I was talking about, the four stages of learning. Yeah. Uh, we used to use that in our training at the newspaper, sales mm-hmm. software company all the time. And we always attributed it to Maslow. And it turns out it's often incorrectly attributed to Maslow. It's actually Martin Broadwell. Oh. But um They should uh, call it the Broadwell effect. We should call it the Broadwell effect. But my my buddy used to use the example of a kid who doesn't know that he needs to tie his shoes. Doesn't know how to tie his shoes, but doesn't even know that he doesn't know how to tie his shoes and those are the four stages like now he's aware that he doesn't know how to tie his shoes now he he knows he needs to tie his shoes but he's not competent at it and then finally he's aware he needs to tie his shoes and he's competent and he knows how okay yeah i really start i think maybe rumsfeld stole that idea i really do (laughs) and clearly rumsfeld doesn't know how to tie his shoes no no yeah I mean, even at the end of that, I told you, but at the end of that interview, he says, Errol Morris says, why are you even doing this? Like, why did you yeah. even agree to do yeah. this? And, and he goes, hell if I know. <laughs> like, he doesn't know. <laughs> the, the, it was such a great ironic moment because the name of the documentary is The Known Unknowns or whatever, and he doesn't even know why he's there. Amazing. Or the Unknown Knowns or something like that. Yeah. Right. It's, a great, it's a great doc. Um, all right. We're going to cool. take a break. Uh, Brian's going to play a song. 
And you're gonna. It's brought to us by Cumberbatch. Oh, we don't even have we don't even have time for news. Holy mackerel! Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing. It's brought to you by Coverville. Hey, remember when I was talking about Martin Gore uh, of Depeche Mode a yeah. few minutes ago? Yeah. Well, he's turning sixty tomorrow. So today is going to be all Depeche Mode on Coverville. It's one of one of my favorite types of um, uh, cover stories I do because there are so many bands who do Depeche Mode covers and put them in a completely different style. Everything from jazz to swing to um, uh, kind of uh, uh, yacht rock kind of, eh, maybe not quite that far. Mm. But anyway, it's going to be coming up today, 1 p.m. Mountain Time at twitch.tv slash coverville or coverville.tv and uh, come get your Depeche Mode fix with that. We've got a really good so that song I was talking about with the music video, the the version I'm playing is a very blues rock version of that, like a black keys kind of thing. Sure. And and I'd forgotten because I heard that, I'd forgotten what the original Depeche Mode song sounded like. So that's why I looked for the video and I saw that video. I'm like, oh wow, this is a completely this is a completely different thing. This is so cool. All right. Let's talk about the Indie in the Middle as sure. I pull up my notes on uh <laughs> On that, because I forgot to do that. Well, you um, know, it's just, it's how we go here. It's fine. That's yes, exactly. All right. So this is a band called Secondhand Sound. They've got a brand new uh, um, album. I'm sorry, no, a brand new single called Chesapeake. These guys are um, alt-rock, uh, let's see, alt-rock from Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you'd never guess it from this. This is their brand new single, Chesapeake. Here is Secondhand Sound. All right, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. How you've grown, how you 
stand out in the pouring rain. But not alone, not The geek is just a machine. It has no heart, no soul. If there should be a mechanical breakdown, it could go haywire. I don't have a wiener! (laughs) The Morning Stream. Rambling goes in, podcast comes out. You can't explain that. Welcome back to the program. That song again was... That song was Chesapeake by the brand new, uh, by the band, Second Hand Sound. Brand new single, Chesapeake. Very, very nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well done. Let's uh, let's see if I get my sister in here. Now that she's, she's, um, she's running a little bit of a tight schedule today, I guess she's got like a, a oh, girls okay. camp she's in charge of. So I don't know what any of that means, except 
she mentioned that it might be a little weird, so we're going to try to add her. Okay. And um, it may just mean keeping it shorter, but it might mean... We'll find out. You're going to find out when we find out, okay? That's right, yes. It'll be quick fire uh, therapy is what's happening. It's a short email and related a little bit to last week's Mm -hmm. Bobby segment, but um, Mm -hmm. we can probably uh, crank it out is my guess. Now, it shows she's on mobile, but she's not picking up. So I'm going to pause. I'm here. Oh, man. One of these days, we'll unpack the stuff that we were just talking about on this segment, but not today. Today's not that day. Hey, Wendy, it's good to hear from you. I hear you're, you're getting ready for some kind of camp or something. What are you doing? Yeah, so there's this a lake called Lake Itasca, and it's where the head of the the headwaters of the Mississippi, it's where it starts. Yeah. So you know the old Indigo Girl song, Mississippi's <laughs> oh, shit, Mighty. Don't we, don't we all? Yeah. in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's a place you can walk five steps down, according to the song. So my goal is to go and try to take five steps and uh, cross oh, it. Cool. So that's my goal. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. That's well, very nice. Uh, it sounds like fun. Well, it means we probably have you for a, a relatively limited time. So we'll, yeah, we'll take sure. advantage Keep of what we've sweet. got. Yeah. Oh, we got to do this. Hold on. Waste uh, approximately three seconds of time by playing. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, no problem. All right, uh, let's get to it. So we got an email that was kind of a follow up to um, a discussion we have with our science segment expert Bobby, which we, we do also do on Thursdays before you come on. And normally it's like, oh, this new nebula showed up, or the Mars rover found this. But sometimes it's you know uh, sociology related, sort of human science stuff. And anyway, we got this email from somebody named C from Idaho. Says hello, Scoot and Boo Boo. That's me and Brian, I guess. Uh, I love last week's segment with Bobby talking about the brain and how some uh, some people search for things that could go wrong with future events. I do this constantly, and it's a huge source of anxiety for me. I'm sure Wendy has touched on this before. Uh, if so, please just direct me to that episode. But if not, I would love to hear Wendy's take on how this, uh, or sorry, on this and how to stop doing it all the time. Thank you in advance. Love the show. See from Idaho. And it's true. We have. We have discussed this in uh-huh. some form or another in different, different conversations with different contexts, but... It feels like uh, a perennial one. It just keeps coming back. And I think probably because a lot of people deal with it. And a lot of people are maybe dealing with it more with post-pandemic reasons and other things. So let's help C from Ohio, or Ohio, Idaho, Wendy. What do we do for C in, in Idaho? <laughs> <laughs> Hello? You're doing great. Oh, you're there. Oh, just thanks. Thanks. Going. I appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So I don't get him. With Bobby Scoot and Boo Boo, this is funny. Anyway, yeah, um, long story. Okay, so let's let's. Okay, good. Yeah. All right, so let's start with this. Thinking about future events. Why does anyone do it? So first, I'm just gonna ask you guys: Why do people think about future events? So you can be ready for the problems that that and, and be prepared for the problems that could yeah. come up. Yeah. Like I think about. Uh, when I'm packing for a trip, I think about, oh man, what if what if I get an email from this client and they need this changed? Do I have everything I need to be able to do that? Or what if we go? What if all of a sudden we go swimming? Do I have everything I need for that? Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, that's a funny one. What if all of a sudden I need to go swimming? Will I be ready? <laughs> that's happened before. Where uh, we were we were going somewhere, we weren't expecting the hotel to have a uh, swimming pool, and we're like. Oh well, shoot! Let's go swimming or go in the hot tub, and I had to run out to Ross Dress for Less and buy a swimsuit. Oh, I remember that. Right. Not prepared. Yeah, yeah actually, it illustrates a, a really good point, which is preparedness, right? Like feeling mm-hmm. like you've you've got uh, sort of the wherewithal and all the things, and it just makes things more pleasant, right? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So that seems like a, a handy brain behavior or a tool, right? Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's rooted in, you know, ancient man's desire to not get eaten while they go out. So where's my spear? Where's my, you know, uh, I need something totally. warm in case this mm-hmm. snow is bad or whatever. Like we're, we have survival instincts based on <laughs> what if I encounter two bears that I need to. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Right. In, well, you, I think if, about that yeah. too. Like it's, it is really sur- survival and there's, there is a benefit. So for example, when, okay, you can probably think of stories where you left your phone somewhere mm-hmm. and that panic, I mean, it's an adrenaline, like light or fire flight response. If you, left something you didn't mean to leave your keys or, you know, whatever. Right. So we have a response as if we are in danger when we miss it. So the next time around, what does your brain do? Go, yeah, I remember that. You dummy. I'm going to remind you in the night, (laughs) 2 a.m. Hey, do you have your phone? Right. This is the, you got to fly early in the morning and you're just never going to sleep. Right. Right. It's because there's no way your brain's going to believe that you're going to actually be ready because it has enough experiences where you forget things. Right. Um, okay. How about you, Scott? Why do you think the brain needs, I mean, I, you kind of gave your answer, but do you have any other thoughts? Why, maybe why it goes it a goes little haywire. Too haywire. Yeah. It's a not, little too far. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I do that very, I do that a lot. Um, I've gotten better. That's funny. I've gotten better at it in some ways and worse at it in some other ways, but I tend to think of worst case scenarios in every, almost every situation. Um, and what's funny is there's plenty of situations in my life where I never think of worst case scenario. Like being on the air right now, worst case scenario is plentiful. I could go nuts about they're all going to watch me have an aneurysm on the air, mm-hmm. you know, some horrible mm-hmm. story. But I never think of those things. Um, I think of things like, uh, oh, I don't know, let's see. Um, like I, I really, when we take a road trip somewhere and we're going to, we're doing that soon for Vegas. Um, I'll think I'll, I will overthink things like, well, we got to, you know, it's really hot. What's going to happen if the car breaks down? Well, if the car breaks down, then this happens. And if that happens, this happens. And before you know it, you're dead on a rock somewhere and a bird's pecking your eye out. Like I can get, <laughs> what if we're stuck I, in a traffic jam and I have to pee? Yeah. Yeah. That's happened plenty of times. In fact, back when I was having gut issues years ago, uh, every, every trip in the car anywhere was a plan. I had to make a planned activity out of it. Like I had to really think about it and go, all right, am I, you know, when did I eat lunch? And it was my gut going kind to of freak out one day because I don't want to be in the middle of I-15 and congested freaking, you know, morning traffic and not be able to do anything. Um, so, but that stuff's gotten easier. Like, I, it's hard to explain why or I don't even know what happened. I think I got older and I just care less. But um, I was talking to Dunaway about this because he and I share a lot of anxiety stuff. And, and he said, I think what's happening is when I was younger, I had the flight part of fight and fight or flight. He says, and now as I've gotten older, I've, he says, I've gotten older, I've got the fight of the fight or flight. Oh, interesting. And you're just more angry when it happens. Yeah. Just grumpy, grumpy yeah. old man. That's what this, uh, this is how it starts. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, That's a good way to put but it. Yeah. Like I, well, they, you know, as someone who overdoes it, I can, I can definitely see why some people do that and go really far. Well, and the, the emailer put something interesting and has it just kind of actually backwards or just the wording here. Um, C said, let's see. Uh, I search for things could go wrong in future events or why do people do that? I do this constantly and it's a huge source of anxiety for me. So it's actually that anxiety is the thing causing you to think about future events constantly. Mm -hmm. It doesn't create anxiety. It is anxiety. And 
or possibly, I mean, obviously yeah. I haven't sat down and talked to this person. Mm-hmm. Um, but if your brain is always, always, always looking for something to go wrong in the future, that is not just, you know, a glitch. That is your brain doing anxious work, right? It is trying to protect you. It is trying to think through all the different scenarios. And then it has a, an effect, right? Which is it drains your energy. It adds more stress. I mean, take take Brian's swimming thing, right? He goes randomly somewhere and he, you know, it's not that big a deal because there's a Ross dress for less anywhere and he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness for that. But what if he was at, you know, this amazing place with all these wonderful pools and there is not a swimming suit to be found for a hundred miles. Well, that would just be dumb planning on my part. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It would be, but, but, (laughs) but you can see where like, okay, the more traumatic it is or the more painful it is, the more sort of um, stress is added to that. Right. So, so you can start to build. And this is the thing about anxiety that is, is fascinating. All of us have a predisposition for an anxiety disorder because we are human beings with a nervous system. Now, some have had experiences in their life, certain kinds of parents, certain kinds of environments that have, and, and some of it's epigenetic where it sort of like gets activated. Um, and you can, you're suddenly facing it like a full on anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference between these two sets of people is often um, the things that you've been through and the building of this or sort of the repetition of it or the, the I can't, I'm getting the words mixed up, the um, operant conditioning of it, right? Which is you are feeling anxious about a thing. Your brain is saying, oh, you got to remember to do this stuff. Okay, you do this stuff, you get rewarded, you calm down. So your body's like, yeah, that's how we do it then. And then something bad goes high happen because you forgot something your brain doesn't let you let go of that thing and builds this whole case and so now you're not allowed to ever have a future event without that thinking so you can see where this can sort of get worse and worse and worse with time and it's really easy to make it worse um and i mentioned this on the show every once in a while this just research out of yale with these kids getting treated for anxiety disorders and the most effective treatment plan was not medication and therapy the most effective treatment was to treat the parents and not really? even see the kid. Yeah. And the reason is you you train the parents how to interact with that kid around anxious thinking and moments and time times. And the kid learns a different skill set, a different way of thinking about it. And, and it starts to impact how they think about those events and what they can do with their brain rather than reinforcing the anxiety with panic, anxiety, and seeking behavior or acting behavior. So for example, I don't know what Cole does with his future event thinking, but what would be helpful, I think, is to pay attention, write it down, ask other people how you act. So for example, I always say to people, if I filmed you while you are doing this, worry about your future, the future event thing, what would I see? And that gives him a some ability to kind of back pan back and say, Oh, well, I think I pace around the room and I start making a lot of lists and I call and do this or that, or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so you can see that your behavior is showing that you're anxious and that you're trying, trying to plan and do whatever it is. Um, and then maybe you're talking about it. What's happening in your head. If I film the inside of your head, it's just like, you know, buzzing what's going on. 
And all of those things that are happening, if this keeps getting worse and it's constant, it means you're reinforcing it. You're making sure it happens every time. So sometimes you're going to need a professional to help you break that cycle. Um, And sometimes just, and that's what I'm going to give you today is some at-home DIY remedies. Yeah. So number one is take a scenario where you are, you don't love it. You don't love how this keeps happening. You don't love that you're always thinking about planning for some terrible thing to happen in the future. And the next time it happens, get yourself a piece of paper and write out what it is you're thinking, write out all the thoughts and get a good sense of what you are behaving, how you're behaving. So now your behavior just changed. You went from whatever you usually do to sitting down and writing. Mm -hmm. So that is a start. Right. And then once you've kind of blown through the initial surge of uh, adrenaline and push that it is, right? Like, oh, this thing is... Oh, so so think of a horrible thing that could happen. Scott, you're going to have an aneurysm right now while we're talking. Take that as real words. Yeah. Brian, guess what's going to happen to our bodies? We are going to have adrenaline shoot through us. Oh, right? yeah. You guys are going to go into weird mode if that happened to me right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So think about just... The story of it is enough, if you listen to it and you believe it, is enough to get that started without it actually having to go to the full thing. Yeah, but, having having I mean, actually seen one of these, I don't know if you ever saw the, um, you know, forget about his politics for a minute, but uh, Rand Paul, uh, his dad, what's his name, Ron Paul, um, he had this happen on on a live stream of some sort in 2020. Oh, He's geez. an older guy and he was getting interviewed and they were all, you know, ah, the government blah, 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 doing whatever. And then he just started talking gibberish and then nothing but gibberish. And then he just looked concerned like this is what I'm saying is not actually coming out of my mouth kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So some yeah. kind of mini stroke or something. And boy, that was hard. That was really hard to watch. Cause my first thought was like, how horrible would this be to have happen and I'm on the air all the time, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So like I've had, I will admit to a couple of times on a show, I will smell toast because someone's making toast. Okay. It's like actual <laughs> toast. Right. But it's still this moment of like, wait a minute. Have I really smelling toast? Yeah. yeah. And so a little, a little part of you goes, blah, 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 and you're like, oh no. But then you're like, no, it's fine. I'm talking. Everything's fine. And you just kind of move on. But I don't know yeah. why I shared that, but yeah. Thanks it's for making me hungry for toast. Yeah, I know. Yeah, toast and everyone good. wants toast. But yeah. that's that's the idea of like, our, we're ready. That's mm-hmm. what the whole system is about. It's about, okay, get ready. And so just ruminating, thinking about it, planning. Your body is responding in prep, fight or flight, right? It's yeah. releasing some of those adrenal, ad, adrenals. Like it's getting you ready to do it. Okay. Yeah. So- so if you think about that, all that energy going to nowhere, <laughs> that's what's kind of frustrating overall. And this is why people eventually sort of burn out or get help eventually because they don't have the the youthfulness to just worry about everything all the time. It gets worse and worse and worse. And sometimes, like you're saying, your friend was saying, it just turns to anger. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, it shifts over time. It's not something that is sustainable because it it's messing with our system in a way that it's, it shouldn't be used for and is being used way too frequently. Right. Okay. So sit down write it all out, get all your, all the stuff that is rambling in your head out on paper. Um, find another person to talk it through with, um, you know, 
notice what it is that your brain is saying and what it's doing, right? And you, you sort of get it all out and then see how you feel. So that's step one. Try that. Right. See what happens. Um, because the the obvious thing that most people want to do or try to do or get others or others will do for them is to try to use the logic. Yeah. Well, that's not going to happen. I mean, let's look. At, and so you can go down a whole nother rabbit hole of like, let me figure out all the ways to prove that I shouldn't feel this way. And both in that case and then just keeping it in your head and panicking and, you know, never stop, never, you know, stopping. Um, those two things do something very interesting is they keep making this feeling um, like, kind of like it's ignored and therefore gets louder and more real. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So kind of like we've talked about uh, um, different episodes here of what if we instead turn to it and check in with why it is knocking on the door so loud. Right. So give me a recent. Either of you can do this. Give me a recent worry about a future thing you have no control over. Probably isn't likely to even happen. Um, but that is a current stressor in your life. And then if you start to talk about it, we can get your adrenal glands working. Claire, Claire completely hit the nail on the head with me. Uh, Ireland. Uh, we're supposed to go to Ireland in a little over 40 days. And obviously right now is the big, the big worry is, all right, stuff is opened up. We don't have to quarantine when we get there. All that stuff just opened up this week. But now we've got Delta variant or we've had Delta variant to worry about for the last few months. And, it, you know, things are spiking up. Does it mean that, great, the day before we leave, we're going to find out that, nope, you're going to have to quarantine in your hotel for five days before you can you can leave. And there goes half of our vacation right there. Right. But you can't do anything okay. about it at all. Yep. Nothing. But, yeah. but Perfect. Yeah. But it's a big okay. worry. Yeah. So mine. Oh, great. All right. My, I like ahead, Brian's because Brian's is very practical. And that's that seems like a worry that you'd want to keep in the back of your mind because you're going to have to react to that possibility if it happens, right? Yeah. Like the, there's some, this seems like there's some reasonable practicality to brian's worry today on that level mm -hmm. i have one that's as existential and it's and it's eaten me up so so uh yesterday uh, i don't have to get a bunch of details but basically <clears throat> um and this is a series of these because the industry is kind of in a bit of a mess right now but um there was a huge lawsuit yesterday that came out uh against blizzard entertainment a company i'm you know connected to in yeah. lots of different ways and uh, it's horrible. The sexual harassment thing is just horrendous. Just reading that. I read the actual court documents. It's so bad. Um, just workplace stuff. And we don't have to, again, don't have to get into the details. But once again, an example of kind of a quote unquote, people are calling frat boy culture, but whatever. These are adult men behaving po very poorly. Um, doing really, really terrible things, either directly or indirectly to uh, their female counterparts at work or otherwise. And here I am on this end of it, having spent the last 20 plus years watching my uh, middle child daughter uh, fall in love with it, with that business and creatively aim toward one day I want to make games, dad. And I'm like, yeah, you do. It's awesome. Just look at these people at Blizzard. They're great. You want to be like that. You want to work somewhere like that. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, yeah, that'd be great, dad. She literally graduated with an engineering degree in games production from the University of Utah and just graduated, couldn't be prouder of her. She's now ready for this stage of her life. She's finally to that point where she can put those desires in motion and set her sights wherever she wants. 
and it feels like the whole thing is a toxic nightmare. And this feeling of like, A, I don't want to send her into that. And it's not my job to send her into that. She's old enough now to decide where she wants to go. But but I don't I don't want that for her, that 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 kind of environment. And you may say, well, this is like um Taco Bell the day after they closed for food poisoning. It's a good time to get in because everybody's cleaning yeah. shop, everybody's fixing it. People the the wrong people are are resigning or the right people are resigning and, and better people are in their place. And, you know, and that may be true. Like the outlook might actually be good. There's sunlight on this stuff and that's good. But I have this existential feeling of like, ugh, I don't know anymore. And also, you know, my Pollyannish view on it all for so many years is kind of <laughs> like, like my, all of my encouragement was that, where was that even coming from? It was a, a place of false security or whatever. Like it's, it's really eating at me like bugging me, but I don't have any kind of real immediate recourse for it. I don't know what to do about it specifically to my daughter. Like, you know, I can be a voice, a voice of positivity and of change in whatever sphere of influence I have within this larger community that's connected to this problem. Like all I can do good there and that's good and you know, whatever. But this just feeling of like, I don't know. I just don't want her to get chewed up in it or, 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 or have it, be so bad that it that it fears her off into not following whatever goals or dreams she wants to follow. Does any, I don't know if any of this makes sense, but I just I'm yeah. feeling I'm feeling fathery kind of anxiety in that in that regard. And I'm not even sure she shares the anxiety because we haven't directly talked about it since since it happened. We haven't I haven't been able to talk to her, but you know we probably will today, yeah. and that'll be a, a good part of this. But anyway, yeah, and yeah, because you get to hear out of the mouth of babes too, right? Like right. the 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 change this this stuff only changes because it there are just younger and younger folks who are just not going to put up with crap anymore right. <laughs> right and it's good it is the taco bell after the food poisoning right mm-hmm. i it, well that's my take and you know i don't know but okay i think carter's going to be just fine yeah. and you're the dad so that's different right so it puts you in the um, you know, it's, it's the vulnerability that is, you know, cause you're talking about existential or, or sort of fear for your offspring and for the future in, in ways that, you know, as the fabric of society seems like it's ripping, it's actually maybe repairing, right? Like there's actually, it may feel so different and, and there's always going to be chaos as things shift and change, but you know, I don't know. I, I think the kids are going to be all right. That's yeah. just my take. Yeah, they um, probably are. And like I but, said, like she, she's, she looked at the Ubisoft. You know, we don't have to get into the details, but a few months ago, similar stuff came yeah. out in Ubisoft France, and that was a company she was actually aiming for, looking like I want to go to France. I want to move to or Canada, be in Montreal, and work for them or whatever. And then that all kind of exploded and got weird. But her attitude was always a good one. Like, all right, well, this is good though. We want we want it to be exposed. We want this stuff yeah. to get worked through. It's still, mm-hmm. you know, on the larger scheme of things. And I know plenty. Everybody keeps going. Well, all, there are a lot of industries like this, not just games. No, I know that. I'm just. But we're being. We're specifically talking about this particular industry. It's young in a lot of ways. It's kind of in its adolescence in a lot of ways. Um, these things were coming. Like this kind of reckoning was coming. And it will be good in the aftermath of that reckoning. It's certainly not going to go yeah. anywhere as an industry. It will continue to grow. But and she, and that was her attitude. She's like, "Yeah, well, Dad, it'll just improve because look at this. This is great. There's sunlight on these problems. And before it was just hidden. So this is good. And she's right. But it's still, it's right. 
it's still just like, ah, man, what the frick? Why are people so gross? Like, what's going on? Yeah. Anyway. Well, they've always been gross. Um, yeah. they, here's the thing, too, is like you're getting it back to this idea that like sort of worrying about future events that catastrophizing them, they're going to be bad. What, what you're struggling with is it's hard for you to see this as completely good or that she'll be okay, A, because it's your daughter and you care about her, right. um, and don't want bad things to happen. But it's also just, this is this is this an interesting um, evolutionary thing we do, which is we, we're trying to predict something in order to protect ourselves or others from it, right? And so often, if you go back through all the worries you've ever had, how many have actually happened? Right. It's very rare. Especially because the more creative you are, the more problematic this is, right? Uh, I'm not very creative. So the worst thing I can think of, you know, probably does happen because it's not that bad. (laughs) You know, but I think that, that, and, and I would argue anyone you meet that has anxiety is very creative. Hmm. Um, And, you know, it's nice to be a blockhead sometimes. You just don't, you can't even picture stuff. So you're fine. Hmm. Um, And, and so take what this emailer is talking about. Like, how do you... How do you stop it? Well, my argument here is is not to avoid it, push it away, just try to distract yourself. All the things that there's so many easy, quick ways to try to do that, it just makes it worse. So to stop, write it all out, listen to it, check it out, say, okay, you know, and we've talked about this before, just sort of checking in with like, hey, thought that just keeps pounding into my head. Yeah. What is it you really want me to know here? Yeah. Like like a kid who's pulling on the, your jacket and is trying to communicate something and you're not listening. Right. Eventually, if you just stop and squat and look them in the eye, it might just be something very simple. Like, I need to go to the bathroom. And all the problems are solved, right? But you, if you don't ever stop and listen or check in, like, why am I so upset about this? What is this really about for me? And give that a, a, a real minute, you'll find that it's can be this or that and it's not what you think it is mm, right mm. so the the carter thing if you really stop it's that you know this is a world you've introduced her to and you care deeply about that and it's your grief right this is why carter's not struggling with it she mm. could be mad about it or frustrated or wish it was better herself but this isn't her baggage it's yours yeah she's not being bet- betrayed by it in the way right. that I am. And it's just a different yeah. kind of betrayal. And I know, and it's also one of those betrayals where I'm the least of the betrayed. Like right. I am way down You're the list. Peripherally betrayed. Yeah. Like right. I'm, I'm only betrayed by proxy in a way. Like it's, I, I understand that. Like I, I, I want to make that clear. I don't, this isn't me trying to find a way to become the victim here or part of the victim. No, list. no, not at all. But let me say this, that your grief around this gets your lack of, Maybe grieve. I know it's recent, and you now have homework to grieve. Yeah. But your your grief around it yeah. blocks you from seeing the future and your child sort of more honestly. And this is true for all of us. So I don't know what Cole is is stressing about, but if he or she or C or whatever their names are uh, really gets down into what am I thinking about? What it keeps popping in my head? What do I worry about? And just get really open to, is there unresolved grief here? Mm. Is there something I need to be doing? Mm. And this isn't run around like normally you just follow whatever the voice says and you go and do it. Like, okay, well, I'll buy life insurance 4 million times over. Or 
I will buy 200 swimsuits if I'm Brian, you know, like that kind of spazzy response is not, that's listening to the anxiety directly and running with it or trying to avoid it. This is really stopping and checking with like, why does this keep coming up? What is it I need to to face that I'm not facing? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really the point is that we have something um, that is real in our life that our system doesn't want us to maybe look at face on. And so it's showing up in these other ways and taxing our bodies and stressing us out and, you know, making our behavior and our decision unhealthy. And so this sort of really hard self-work is worth it, but it's, it's so much easier just want to watch Netflix. I mean, it is. Yeah, it is. Than, than to really stop and listen and, and hear it. So I've done this a couple of times in my own life with a few things that I have been just floored. I thought for sure I understood it. I understood why I was feeling a particular way or why the situ- situation, I pride myself, unfortunately, on pretty, pretty good analyzing other people. So I think I can do it for me. And so I, that's what I did. And I I stopped and I was like, all right, do the work and really focused and really listened. And the answer was so different and so relieving and so helpful. So I don't have anxiety. I don't struggle with this per se, but I I have, everyone has their own version of this, right? Um, Anxiety tends to be just a, a very hyped up version of do a bunch of things to try not to feel pain, do a bunch of things, think about a bunch of things over prepare or at least think about it over preparing in order to not feel pain or have someone we love be in pain. So it's stopping and really sort of getting to this. So I'm going to give you, I'll give you a quick example. I was recently with some family and I had a sister-in-law telling me about some things she is hoping to do and getting really excited about. And I just saw so many concerns and flaws with her plan. (laughs) And I was kind of arguing with her about some things and trying to be gentle, whatever. Anyway, 4 a.m. I wake up and I have, I'm replaying the argument. It's not an argument. It's replaying the conversation. And it is, I should have said that, or maybe this is a better, and I'm just going through the whole, you know, should haves or, and or plan the future of this, of a conversation. And I stopped and I did this thing I'm talking about, which is just like, Hey, interrupter of my sleep. How's it going? Uh, what is it? I'm, what am I supposed to get out of this? Yeah. What, why, why are you knocking on the door? And it was very clear thought came into my head, which was, you just really want her to succeed. Like you really care about her. And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm having this fake conversation in my head <laughs> is I actually really care about her and I want her to be successful. And then I, Right back to sleep. Did not interrupt my sleep like it normally would have. Next day, we had a great conversation with that as my base Mm -hmm. of like, I don't need to tell you anything. I just need you to know I care about you and I want you to be successful. And if you have questions or ideas, I hey, I'm here. It shifted from this is my problem to I care about her. I mean, isn't that amazing if you think it's so simple? Um, But that's ultimately what, I want this emailer to do with these concerns. And I, and you too, obviously, Brian, with this swimsuit. I forgot what your thing was, Brian. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the Ireland, yeah, the Ireland thing. But that's all right. But whatever. Yeah. whatever. No, right. you're fine. You're fine. No, and Ireland's actually a really good example of it's so logical and everyone will agree with you. Like, this is really a thing. Versus sometimes they feel they're so fantastical. You say them out loud, you'd be embarrassed, right? 
Um, like, oh, I can't believe that's what I'm worried about. But in your case, it's obviously, you know. So so I would recommend doing the same thing. Like, what is the what is the fear? Maybe it's the loss of a amazing vacation. I went to Ireland too, right? Maybe it's that, wow, I really need this. And so you you check in to find out what it really is, and then that anxiety starts to calm down. It's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. So no, I, everybody try it. Yeah, let's give it a shot. And uh Cole, let us know if that works for you. Uh, and 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 we'll give it our own shot. Or, and, or C from uh, from Idaho as we. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, Wendy said Sorry. coal, so we may as well let it out. We may yeah. as well say it because she said it once. Um, okay. But yeah, there's a lot of coals there. We'll just mention this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's all good. Um, it's all good. Not, anyway. as, not as many rests for lesses, but there are a lot of coals. Oh yeah, many coals. Oh coals with a K. Oh, coals with a K. Uh, well, this is great, uh, Wendy. I hope this trip is is uh, fun. It sounds like it'll be fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I might actually put it. Uh, me walking across the headwaters of Mississippi on Instagram. Oh. I, this may be what breaks what? me through my year oh my. and a half I hate oh, hiatus. Oh my gosh! Look at you coming I back know. to social media with a vengeance. That's I know fantastic. it. it mm-hmm. I'm not promising anything. It depends if it's actually more than five steps. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I want my money back into Go Girls. That's I want right. It back. Take that. All right. Yeah. Uh, have a safe one. Uh, we'll catch you next time. And all right, talk to you later. Right, I'll see you later. Hey. Bye. All right. There you go, Brian. What do you think of them apples? Uh, yeah. Pretty good apples. Yeah, good apples. Good apples. Yeah, if you're gonna have, if you're gonna eat an apple, may as well eat this one. I say. Uh, speaking of which, no, there's no, there's no transition. Uh, we're done. That's the show. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/tms is how you continue to support us. I want to thank everybody else who already does. It means great uh, things to us when you do. So thank you, thank you, thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, it is how we keep the lights on, as I often say. Frogpants.com slash TMS for details on that and everything else we got going on around here. And as always, we love your feedback at the morning stream at gmail.com. And I think we can get out of here with a song selection from Brian Dibbit. Yeah, this one's going out to Nick B. Uh, this is an older request, but um, I keep some of these older ones to fill in spots when I've got a day where I don't have a, a birthday or an anniversary or something like that to celebrate. Uh, this one comes to us from Nick B. He says, hey, Brian, no special occasion. Just wanted to share the song that first got me into covers when you played it on Coverville a few years ago. Love the show, though. Signed, Nick B. Um, this is a great example, too, of the, the kind of thing that I like. You're very familiar with the song Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones. Um, this song changes it up really dramatically in, in a really cool way without, without changing its meaning or changing its... Um, uh, yeah, let's just say let's just say changing its meaning because okay. it does change the style. It does change even the perspective, but keeps the meaning intact. This is uh, singer Sandy Shaw. She recorded this back in 1969, very shortly after the Rolling Stones released their version. Came from a uh, a ride along CD of Mojo Magazine back when they used to have really good cover CDs stuck to the fronts of Mojo Magazine <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, called Stoned. Here is Sandy Shaw, Sympathy for the Devil. All right, we'll see you guys. Oh, wait, do we have a PM tomorrow? I don't remember. Do we? We do have a PM Oh, tomorrow. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. the next week we yeah. got our uh, thing. So yeah, That's right, we do our uh, play date next week. We got a play date coming up. So tomorrow, check us out. We'll be doing a PM for the patrons. Sign up today and you'll get in. And um, Dan will be there, I think. And uh, it'll be a good time. So join us tomorrow for that. Film sack this weekend, for sure, for real, this time. And uh, what else? Other stuff. Uh, core tonight. Uh, plenty of content. So check it out. And Coverville today, one thirty Mountain Time as well. Uh, one uh, o'clock. That, oh, one o'clock. What did I say? One thirty. It's all right. One o'clock. One o'clock. You guys get there early, or no? You get, get there, there right thirty on time. minutes late. You're going to miss the first set of music. <laughs> that would suck. All one right. One third of the dash. <laughs> yeah, you need all the mode. All right. That's it. That's Thank right. you all for being here. We'll see you later.
This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. How could a righteous babe like you be lonely?